And I'm going to go ahead and start introducing our 10 o'clock presenter, Eric Bianchi. He has served more than 43 years in public service, including 35 years in law enforcement in Southern California. He joined the Alzheimer's Association in 2017 as a community educator in the Northeast region of the Colorado chapter. His wife, Deborah, was appointed to serve as the regional director on the Western Slope of Colorado in 2019, January of 2019, where Eric continues to deliver education programs to multiple audiences. He also facilitates early stage programs and support groups. Eric serves as the chair of the State of Colorado Department of Military and Veteran Affairs, Western Region One Source Advisory Board. He's married to Deborah, who's outside at the Alzheimer's Association table, and together they have five adult children and three grandchildren. Eric's presentation today is Planning Ahead, 10 Warning Signs of Alzheimer's and Dementia. Please join me in welcoming Eric Bianchi. Thank you very much. Uh, once again, Eric Bianchi, I'm with the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, before I start, we have a packet, and I have a feeling that maybe you have your packet with you if you're sitting down, but if you don't, please raise your hand, and Deborah will come around and get it to you. Two parts of it, and I want to uh, talk about this one first. It's the registration form. And all I'm asking you to do, all we're asking you to do, is to print your first name, your last name, and zip code, and that's it. If you want more information or you would like to talk with Deborah, uh, please so you can add information if you'd like. So we need one down here. And this is the packet that also comes with it. We're going to refer to this uh, throughout the next uh, 45 minutes or so. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the 10 warning signs of Alzheimer's. Uh, in all honesty, uh, probably one of the most important uh, topics. And if I can get this thing to go down, there we go. One of the most important topics uh, in the realm of cognitive uh, impairment and that kind of thing. Uh, the Alzheimer's Association has come up with uh, the most common signs uh, for Alzheimer's and dementia. We're also going to talk a little bit about the importance of knowing this in advance, the importance of seeking out uh, treatment, or not treatment necessarily, diagnosis, just to be able to know what really is happening. So we'll get into that right now. Uh, before we do, and uh, forgive me, I'm trying to, there we go. We're going to cursor through some of these slides because uh, many of them, uh, for the sake of brevity, uh, we don't have enough time. Before we start, I use dementia and I use Alzheimer's uh, pretty much interchangeably, and I, I suppose a lot of us do. But there is a difference, and so what I'd like to do is invite you to listen to Dr. Schneider. She'll discuss what, uh, what basically the difference between dementia and Dementia Alzheimer's. is the umbrella term for an individual's changes in memory, thinking, or reasoning. There are many possible causes of dementia, and Alzheimer's is the most common cause. Other causes of dementia are vascular dementia, which is marked by changes in the blood flow and the blood vessels in the brain. Dementia with Lewy bodies, identified by specific brain changes, 
throughout the brain that include the buildup of a protein known as alpha-synuclein and frontal temporal dementia, which is marked by brain cell loss in the front sections of the brain or the frontal lobe. Each type of dementia may have distinct characteristics to cause specific behaviors in the individual, but there is also some overlap in behaviors among the types of dementia. Now those four happen to be the most common ones. Of those four, Alzheimer's uh, is the leading cause of uh, dementia. Once again, dementia is the umbrella of the, uh, the signs and symptoms of some sort of cognitive impairment. And underneath that umbrella are several different types. Now we have four here, but there are probably about, uh, uh, I don't know, 40 or 50 different kinds. Now Alzheimer's is a progressive brain disease that's marked by these key changes and is thought to impact memory, thinking, and behavior. The brain has three main parts, the cerebrum, the cerebellum, and the brainstem. Each one plays a role in how the body functions. The cerebrum fills up most of your skull. It is part of the brain most involved in remembering, problem solving, thinking, and even feelings. There are about 100 billion nerve cells or neurons throughout the brain that transmit messages in order for us to create memories, feelings, and thoughts. Alzheimer's disease causes uh, nerve cells to die, which leads to the brain tissue loss, or what we call shrinkage, and causes loss of function and communication between cells. These changes can cause the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease, such as memory loss, problems with thinking, planning, behavioral issues, and even at the end stages, problems with swallowing. Let's talk about the warning signs now. And I've given you a sheet in this packet at the very top, the first sheet. Uh, you can read along with me or you can uh, uh, make notes if you'd like. The 10 signs follow. Number one is memory loss that disrupts daily life. And we're talking about uh, a significant memory loss. And understand that, please, that, uh, that we, there's a spectrum of uh, severity for all of these signs. And one person may have one, uh, two, or all of the signs uh, may be present. But understand that it's also uh, a difference in the severity. Um, for memory loss, uh, people will, will manifest basically with people uh, seeking out the same information, asking the same question over and over, and it's kind of frustrating for a lot of us, but uh, to this person, they don't recall having asked that question before. And so it's a brand new question for them. Uh, they have trouble with dates and times, and understanding those things, uh, remembering those things that uh, they used to know, uh, birthdays, other, other events that are innate, that they, they should know. Number two, challenges in planning and problem solving. And this involves the executive function of the brain. Um, unlike uh, just strictly memory, it's being able to decode what's happening, a problem. It could be anything from a budget to balancing a checkbook. Um, something very simple, opening a doorknob or closing a doorknob may be very difficult for people who have dementia, and sometimes uh, it can manifest itself in other ways. As a police officer, I've encountered uh, people with dementia most of my career, 
Um, one in particular I thought was very interesting and actually sums up what happens here. Um, a wife had called us uh, and told us that her husband is standing out in the driveway. He's very nervous, very agitated, and he's not going anywhere, just standing. Uh, he was asked, or he just said before he left he was going to go out and get the mail, which is by the street. Um, turns out that there was a hose that was crossing the path where he was going to walk. And the gentleman did not know how to cross and get over to get the mail. It can manifest itself in that way. Um, let's listen to John. He can explain it better. Now, these, uh, some of these videos are people who actually have the disease and will describe it uh, from their point of view. I was probably spending four to five times more time preparing for something than I did, say, five or ten years ago uh, to, because of the, uh, I would lose my thought, I'd lose my focus, I'd get anxious, I wouldn't get to sleep. I was thinking, I was in my sleep, I was thinking about what I was anxious about, which was what I was trying to remember, which was what I was trying to prepare, which I was trying to do. Uh, so it was, a, it was a really a vicious circle of, uh, uh, so I was able to control it a lot um, so that people on the, wouldn't see things and, and, and not, there weren't things to be seen. It's what was, what was disturbing me was what effort I had to put into uh, to, to do the things I used to do more easily. And the next sign. Difficulty in completing uh, familiar tasks. Unlike the problem-solving issue, these are tasks that are normally very routine for a person, that they find it more and more difficult to, uh, to navigate. Um, we've had uh, uh, people who, for example, uh, uh, know how to do something very, very well, and then after a while, perhaps, as they progress along this journey, they forget completely how to do it. Um, I had a friend who had a grandmother who had who made uh, an amazing cup of coffee. She would grind the beans. She just took so much uh, pride in the, the artistic part of making this cup of coffee. Um, she went over once to see her grandmother, uh, and the grandmother had put all of the coffee-making stuff away, and she just had some instant coffee. She explained that, well, it's I just didn't want to bother with it uh, too much, but... The friend came up, or the, the friend of mine actually determined that uh, she had simply forgotten, forgotten how to make the coffee. Confusion with time or place. Uh, oftentimes, uh, people with dementia will have trouble in discerning or understanding or comprehending or deciphering things that happen uh, before or things that will happen in the future. They don't understand what's going on unless it's happening right now, right in the moment. And sometimes that can be confusing. We see people on the side of the road, for example, who've taken the car and gone off to the store, and somewhere about in the middle, they just pull over to the side. They've forgotten what they were doing. They don't know how to get home. Those kinds of things are issues uh, with someone with dementia or Alzheimer's. Trouble understanding visual images and spatial relationships. Now, with normal aging, we do have issues with our eyes. We have uh, cataracts that can pop up, uh, macular degeneration, other things that can happen. This is an issue of the organs, uh, eyes, going to the brain and the brain not being able to decode what they see. 
in terms of periphery, people with Alzheimer's and other dementias may lose their periphery and can only see pretty much straight ahead. And they also have issues with depth perception, with contrast, with color. As a result, you may find as they progress along this disease that they will be going through, uh, they'll use their hands to reach out and touch things to help their brain decode what they're looking at and make some sense of it. They'll walk along a wall with their hand out, uh, balancing themselves. Issues with balance are very important. New problems with words in speaking or writing, and we're talking about new problems as things change, and you'll find that with these signs, um, the, 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 the key is change. I guess I'm trying to explain it. We have, um, if a person was a slob, constantly dropping things on the floor and not picking them up, um, maybe that might, be, that might be something that's significant, but it's not necessarily a sign. In a few moments, we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about um, being able to uh, use your judgment and that kind of a thing. Unfortunately, if someone was some way, uh, had this propensity, and there's no change, that's not necessarily a sign. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. Um, when we're talking about words, people will talk. They'll engage in conversations sometimes. If they have dementia or Alzheimer's, uh, they may discover that uh, they, they stop in the middle of the, the uh, conversation not knowing what they're talking about. Uh, having no idea what was being discussed. Oftentimes, they'll uh, repeat the same story over and over again. Uh, and they have trouble with vocabulary and understanding words. Uh, they may look at their watch or someone's watch and not remember uh, what it was called. And so they may come up with an improvise, either by pointing or calling it a hand clock, that kind of thing. Uh, it's very frustrating. We, I, I am involved in an early stage program where I actually am, am working uh, as a support uh, facilitator for this uh, program. And uh, one, of our, one of our participants was able to describe, he says, you know, the, the, the information is right there. I can, I can reach out, but I just can't get to it. I can't get to that word that I'm looking for. And that's how he described it. The other thing that I've increasingly been struggling with are words, um, which I've dealt with words my entire life, you know, as an avid reader, as a reporter, as a writer. Um, I, I, I struggle with them now. You saw that there was a gap, too. Uh, these people that are talking to us are generally in the early stage of the disease. Uh, but it affects them greatly. Misplacing things uh, or lo and losing the ability to retrace your steps. Now, I don't know about you, but I have lost my keys on several occasions. When I come home, I'll do something different with them. Uh, but I can usually retrace my steps. I'll come home with groceries, for example, and put them in uh, my coat pocket and put my coat up in the, in the, uh, uh, the closet. Next day, I forget where it was or where I had them. Um, my wife will remind me, oh, yeah, you came home with the groceries, you were wearing your coat, and eventually I'll find them. People with dementia, um, including Alzheimer's, have 
a, a struggle with being able to uh, put things in their proper way or proper place. Uh, they'll put things in very odd places. Oftentimes uh, in the freezer, they'll put shoes or something that doesn't make much sense to us. We have sort of a natural inclination, human beings, to put things away. Um, but without that rational thought of where they should go, it can be really frustrating. And people are not able to, uh, people with dementia are not always able to go back and find where they are. They don't remember having put them away at all. Sometimes it'll manifest as accusations. People will say, well, I didn't do it. It must have been you. Um, we <coughs> Excuse me. We've received uh, calls from the police department of people stealing somebody's mail. Um, many cases, most cases, the person forgot that they had actually collected the mail, and now they're accusing people of taking it because there's no mail in the mailbox, that kind of thing. Um, decreased or poor judgment. This is uh, probably manifests most and presents most in terms of hygiene, safety, and dealing with money. Uh, people will let go of their hygiene, oftentimes, especially if they're uh, living by themselves, and they just that's part of the judgment process. Um, safety, we've had situations where people will simply get out of their car and walk across a street, not realizing that cars are coming, and then be startled, of course, when a car comes up and slams its brakes and honks its horn, those kinds of things. And caregivers, of course, are on, on uh, uh, their guard all the time to make sure that that doesn't happen. Money is an issue because uh, we have people out there who are making phone calls all the time, um, and they prey on people who are by themselves who may have uh, judgment issues, and they'll sell them anything. We had one case of a person who bought $15,000 of windows over the phone for their house that has windows. Those kinds of things can happen. Door-to-door -door, uh, salesmen also will uh, find themselves uh, dealing uh, with those issues and dealing, you know, finding people who will actually turn over the money uh, rather quickly. Number nine, withdrawal from work and social activities. If you can imagine having all of these issues, um, the vision and your uh, lack of understanding of what happens in the world around you, and you start forgetting the people who are around you and who they are, and you find it more and more uncomfortable, it's easy to see why someone would want to pull back and withdraw. I can tell you, though, the Alzheimer's Association uh, is uh, encouraging people not to, to let a person move away and uh, and disappear from social activities because that is a very important uh, part of the the health component of a person who is going through this journey. It's very 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 important that they uh, engage and stay engaged. Um, it happens quite often. Sometimes people will be playing a. a situation had happened basically where a person was playing pool all their lives. They played with about four or five buddies, and uh, uh, they all knew the rules uh, of how to play the game. And it was very important to all of them. One day, one person began to just ignore the rules and sink 
the striped balls or the, I'm not sure exactly what was going on, but it was just completely dunking the balls and frustrated the people around him. Um, sometimes you, it's important to acknowledge that, okay, this is happening. Um, the idea is to keep them engaged and keep the people engaged. So if they don't follow the rules, they may be just okay for a time or two. And finally, changes in mood and personality. People can become uh, anxious. They can become irrational, uh, paranoid, uh, depressed, uh, and angry. Uh, just, it's part of the process. Um, let's hear Another from Dr. Let's recap briefly. Uh, the 10 signs are only a guide. Uh, they are the most common signs that one will see in a person with Alzheimer's or some other kind of dementia. And uh, there is a continuum. It's not the same for everyone. Um, it's commonly said that if you've met one person with dementia, then you've met one person with dementia. Everybody experiences it differently and presents differently. Uh, if you notice these signs, then probably the first step that you should be taking would be to get you or whoever you're concerned about to see their primary care physician. And let's hear from Dr. Salloway again. You know, it's a very interesting phenomenon that people who have memory problems are often less aware of it than family members or their friends who know them well. One of the reasons for that is our ability to monitor ourselves, which is an important part of brain function, decreases when we start having memory problems. Not in everybody, but commonly, and more than half the people with memory problems. And so the person is just not keeping track of the trouble they're having day to day. But the family members are, you know, paying attention, if they're paying attention, they see, boy, this is starting to happen a lot, and the person's not aware of it. So the family's more aware, and they may talk to their loved one about it, and they say, you know, I've noticed you've been repeating yourself. And they say, I'm not repeating myself. And that could either be due to the fact that they're not aware of it, or they may not want to acknowledge it. To recap what uh, Dr. Salloway said, uh, that people sometimes have trouble in recognizing uh, issues, uh, cognitive issues in themselves, and oftentimes it's friends or family that see these things happening. And uh, it's important for friends and family to recognize that there are changes and then do something about it. A person does go down to uh, to a primary care physician and they discover that there is an impairment of some kind or a concern of some kind, it's important for them to get a referral to a specialist. Um, uh, 
any one of the neurologists, geriatrician, neuropsychologist, neuropsychiatrist, psychiatrist, and psychologist. Um, they all have their own expertise. They all understand, and not everyone uh, of these specialists are uh, understand Alzheimer's or understand dementia. So it's important if someone's going to get a referral, they get a referral to some, uh, from somebody who actually understands the disease. number of benefits in early detection of Alzheimer's. For one thing, a person is able to have a voice in what happens next. They can make plans. They can live life more on their own terms. They can also make plans for the future, financial plans, care plans. They can let people know what they want, which can be a real gift later on. It also allows time for families to make plans and to dis make decisions about who can do what and, and figure out care and, and those kinds of issues. Also, the treatments that are available for Alzheimer's don't cure Alzheimer's. They don't slow down the disease, but they do help with symptoms. And it seems as though they tend to work better the earlier a person is able to use those. So that can help too. Some people are interested in clinical trials. Clinical trials allow people to have access to treatments that aren't available yet. And for some people, that can be a really important thing to pursue. Ruth makes a, a, a powerful argument for the need for early detection. But if for no other reason, if a person is, is experiencing this confusion of uh, changes that are going on, having a diagnosis can be, or having a, at least a detection early on, can be an important step. Um, so I encourage uh, anyone who sees someone who has uh, these symptoms, these changes, that they contact their primary care physician. And seeking a diagnosis. We'll start off with a, a test your knowledge, but quite honestly, we'll just kind of go past this and I'll, I'll give you an idea of what the answer is. You probably know it already. There's currently no way to diagnose Alzheimer's disease, true or false. Believe it or not, false. Used to be a time when an autopsy was the only way to find out because you'd see the, the plaques and tangles um, and the shrinkage of the brain, but now uh, several ways of doing it through a PET scan, CT scan, so many other uh, diagnostic equipment now is available. And on the horizon, according to the Alzheimer's Association, uh, they're coming up with a blood test that one day may uh, also reveal the presence of uh, Alzheimer's disease. Now, when you go through assessments and tests, and uh, this is just a short slide of uh, the kinds of tests that a person will, will uh, go through for the assessment, uh, I've given you a, a, or actually Deb has given you a, a copy of uh, the same kind of sheet. Basically, it's uh, the, kind of uh, the kind of assessments and physical tests that go along with the diagnostic process. Uh, so take a look at that at your leisure. What, oh, I'm sorry for the loud sound, but uh, Dr. Salloway is at the bottom of this. And he'll explain. 
someone could have uh, high blood pressure that's out of control, or they might have a thyroid condition that's not regulated, or diabetes that's not right, or, not, or on a medication that actually can cause memory loss. Drinking too much alcohol can make memory worse. So there are a lot of factors that go into cognitive difficulty with aging that some of them can be remedied. And so we want to do everything we can to improve uh, cognitive ability and quality of life. So what happens if the, the diagnosis is Alzheimer's disease? Well, that's where the Alzheimer's Association can come in and help. As a matter of fact, we can help all along the way. When you're confused about what you're seeing, you can simply give us a call. Um, I'd like to invite up my wife and the regional director for the Western Slope uh, Alzheimer's Association is going to talk a little bit more about the, the association. Deborah? While she's walking up, I'll... No... And one of the things I like most about, uh, about this, this wonderful organization is that they do so much for caregivers and those people who are caring for people with this disease and with dementia as a whole. Uh, they provide so many resources. So with that, I'm going to hand this over to Deb. I was sitting way in the back. I'm sorry about that. So I'm Deborah Bianchi. I'm the regional director here on the Western Slope. So I serve nine counties. Our organization's focus, and my role in particular, is to really make sure that we offer care and support to those who are living with dementia. And we serve all dementias, not just Alzheimer's. So if a person's living with dementia, and then their care partners. We also make sure there's education opportunities, because disease education really will strengthen all of our capacity to be more empathetic, more supportive of those who are uh, impacted, and then also their caregivers too, right? Empathy is bred in knowledge, and, I, and we really strive to increase your understanding and knowledge. And then and make sure that there's support groups, early stage programs. And I'm really, really, I, I'm, I'm with the association now just over two years. I came in as an ed, a graduate student, and um, this is a, a beautiful organization. And so many people, so many hands on deck, and we all want to be of service to you. Everything we do is always free of charge, which I think is beautiful to say out loud. And we do a lot. We also have a 24-hour helpline. We have a crazy website like wow if there's anything to be found we have it on our website with that said it can be a little daunting to navigate such a robust website so if you're looking for something and you can't find it you call me I'll send you a link because I can find it I can find it quickly and you don't have to spend an enormous amount of time all of the education classes that we teach in person are also all online 12 classes that we offer are available online which again if you're a caregiver it might be to get to a class in person or to go to a support group. There's even a community forum. We were really so involved 
people, and we really want to be there for you. So please don't walk this journey alone. We're here for you, and we want to be a resource to you. And I, I have to thank Eric. Um, he's, he joined us on the Northeast Plains. He was doing our law enforcement outreach on the Western Slope when I came in January. He's been my number one um, community volunteer in terms of our education, doing support groups. He's been my spackling. He's everywhere and um, all, over the, all over my region um, in going places I can't go to all the time because it's so much space. But um, Chad uh, Federwitz, who's here in Pitkin County, He's a community educator for the Alzheimer's Association. We have a support group in Aspen. We have one in Newcastle. And after the first of the year, we'll have one here in Carbondale. So we're really trying to really strengthen those support systems here in the Roaring Fork Valley as well. So with that said, I'm going to turn it back over to Eric. And if you guys have any questions, we'd be delighted to answer them. If you have not filled out this little cheat sheet for me. Um, I, first name, last name, zip code is what I need. But if you want to write more information about your, yourself or what you're doing or if you need support, I won't contact you from this unless you write me a note that says, Deborah, please call me. If you do that, I will call you. I'll call you next week. And we'll make a plan to, to work and support you, OK? But um, you can just give me the, at least those basics. That's the information I need for my reporting purposes. Thank you. Do you have any questions for us? Yes. So the question was, how much does sleep deprivation over a long period of time mimic these um, symptoms? And the answer to that is uh, lack, sleep deprivation can impact immediate create uh, dementia symptoms may be you know present because of sleep deprivation right but sleep deprivation can also be an increased risk for developing the disease so you know we really do need to get our rest we really do need to address those other health issues unattended um, health issues in particular oh, there's a, an array of them hypertension sleep deprivation if you have apnea and you're not getting enough oxygen our whole health system impacts our risk for dementia. With that said, we can actually engage in behaviors that mitigate risk. So that's beautiful news, right? We have so much. We, we advocate and promote brain health. We teach a class called Healthy Living for Your Brain and Body. We know so much more today, and, and every year so much more um, comes forward with the research that's happening in the world um, to really help us understand how to reduce or mitigate those risks, even when we have an increased risk because of maybe a familial and other, other potential reasons why we might have a, just a standard increased risk. So there's some good news on the horizon. There's so much happening. Uh, the Alzheimer's Association is the third leading funder of research in the world, the United States government, the Chinese government, and then us. Uh, we are huge in terms of really advancing the research so that we can find out how to reduce risk, how to prevent the P word, and then also how to support, um, hopefully eventually find some treatments that will slow the progression and ultimately cure um, the diseases that, we're, that are creating these um, realities for our constituents. So great question. Yes, Alzheimer's disease is a, a, a worldwide phenomenon. In the United, we focus a lot when we talk just in that local, you know, sort of realm. Um, in the United States, it's about 5.8 million people are living with Alzheimer's and other dementias, these progressive dementias. 
in Colorado, it's about 73,000 Coloradians. Those numbers are going to ex even get much more, um, much higher. By 2050, I think we're supposed to have about 14 million Americans unless we do find a way to prevent it um, or to cure it. So that's a horrible thing. Head injuries, a precursor to Alzheimer's. Is that medically recognized or just anecdotal? So traumatic brain injuries are a risk for uh, an increase for, for, de for dementia. That is in the literature. It's, it's recognized, yes. Um, traumatic brain injury is an increased risk. Uh, Post-traumatic stress disorder. My research as an academic focuses a lot on our veteran population. And because of PTSD and TBIs, they're particularly at risk as well. But anyone with a TBI, I had a TBI when I was a young child, so that would increase my risk, right? But whenever we talk about increased risk, what I really also want to emphasize is that our health behaviors can mitigate risk. If we can employ healthy um, behaviors that have been identified, and there's five of them, exercise, nutrition, social engagement, lifelong learning, if you smoke, stop smoking, um, all those kinds of things. Um, we have a pamphlet out on the table about um, the 10 steps to reducing or to, you know, uh, promoting brain health. So brain health, if you have an increased risk, I, listen, if you're, if you're getting older and you have a brain, you're at risk for dementia. So we all have to really work hard to reduce that risk. And there are things that we can specifically do and health behaviors we can adopt. I have to tell you, my husband loves to go for a walk. He's always loved to go for a walk. And I'll tell you, I'm a geek. I'm on the computer and I love my geeky side. So he wants to go for a walk, and I'm like, see you later. i got to do my geeky stuff. And when I started learning about brain health, guess what? I also got off, off the couch and went for walks, and I go to the gym. And not because that's what my personality has ever been. It's never been who I am. But if I want to maintain my nerdy, geeky self, I better go for that walk. And that's the most important um, health behavior that we can do is physical exercise, then the nutrition and others. Um, I heard on NPR two days ago uh, that they've now got a um, medication or a treatment for plaque and it's gone through the scientific um, organizations and, and is now going to be available. And it's so this week was some exciting news in our world. There is an FDA-approved uh, medication that is um, that is um, being advanced to for FDA approval. So it's gone through the third round of clinical trials. So look for that, and I'm glad you're hearing about it. It's not quite there, so we have to wait, but it is happening. Can I add? May and I I'll, add? I'll ask you to move into the light. I'm sorry, we are video recording, so we want to be sure the speakers are in the light. So oh, if you can. It. Find Got a light it. source, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Pleasure. Uh, adding to that, the Alzheimer's Association has what they call Trial Match, which is a very robust collection of uh, trials, medical trials uh, of all different kinds all over the country. Actually, I think all over the world, isn't it? But you can access it through the website itself and uh, fill out a form, I've done it. Nobody will ever call you, but what they will do is simply give you a list of all of those, uh, those 
trials that are going on that might affect you in particular. And you don't have to have dementia to do it. You can, you, you can be completely healthy and still go part of this uh, trial match. But the benefits, uh, in some cases, are people are afforded an opportunity to use some of the medicines that may end up uh, providing some sort of a cure, uh, that kind of a thing. So it's pretty exciting. You get on the uh, website, look for trial match, fill out the uh, information, and if you wish to opt in, then you can simply uh, reach out to them for one of those trials, then they'll respond to you. I had to look at my phone because I know about Harry Johns, who's our CEO, sent us all an email and I read it, but I was like, what is the name of that um, medication? It's called Biogen and it's going forth for FDA approval. So that's awesome news. That's always a good week at the Alzheimer's Association when we hear something spectacular. The other thing I think I would t want you to know um, today is if you have hypertension, um, the standard operating procedure for hypertension has always been to get your uh, systolic, that upper number below 140. Yeah, that's not what we want to advocate for anymore. We want you to get it below 120. There was a clinical trial, a study a few years back. Um, they had the typical treatment, and then they had the, the uh, aggressive treatment to get it below 120. They had to stop that, that entire um, study, put the control group, the typical treatment into the treatment group, and um, the results are fantastic. It actually uh, proved or sh demonstrated that um, doing so would reduce your risk of what's called mild cognitive impairment, which is a, um, a state that may not be as impactful as dementia is. Not everybody who has MCI or mild cognitive impairment become, develops Alzheimer's disease, but everyone who has Alzheimer's disease went through a period of having mild cognitive impairment. So the thought process is that probably looks good in terms of reducing your risk for dementia. But because we're scientists and we believe in the science, um, we can't definitively say that yet. So the Alzheimer's Association is continuing that study, um, and it's really quite an exciting conversation. Again, another really wonderful space in our organization organization to really talk about how do we, 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 we actually use the P word for the t first time, how do we prevent, and that's amazing. So um, if you have hypertension, please see your doctor, do those health behaviors and medications to get that systolic reduced or lowered. We have two minutes, so we have time for one more question. Did we have someone behind right here? here? Oh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, give you the, can you see, do it? Um, anxiety, and one of the items on the list was um, the, the psych psychiatric aspects, mm -hmm. chicken and egg question. When you get a certain amount of dementia, your possibly your, anx your anxiety levels go up, your blood pressure goes up. That may have something to do with, again, I say chicken and egg. If you eliminate, or could, the anxiety, therefore bring down, for example, your blood pressure, perhaps your need to eat, smoke, drink, whatever. Uh, how much has that got to do with it? Because a person with dementia will often have uh, anxiety as a result of not being able to remember uh, the keys, the, uh, the, the whole thing. Uh, how much? How much does, therefore, psychiatric help provide yeah. some sort of release or relief? 
I, lo I love your statement, chicken or the egg, because it's actually, actually quite true, right? So um, if you are having anxiety, is it because of the dementia or is, it, is the anxiety causing some of these or depression and these other things? And what I would say to you is this. That's why it's so important to go to your primary care physician. That's why it's so important to have that conversation with that professional and then that referral to an expert. Because the truth of the matter is there could be so many reasons why a person's experiencing dementia. There's like a hundred reasons why a person may be having dementia symptoms. So we really want that care, that practitioner. I'm not a practitioner, I don't assess. But I can tell you if I, if I had this happening in my family system, I'd be, doing whatever I need to do to get if it was my mother or some other person in my family to that doctor because what if it's something that's treatable as Dr. Soloway said I mean that would be really a shame to have missed that window and to have not addressed it early and have that prolonged reality also if a person is living with dementia and you've established that they have Alzheimer's dementia with Lewy bodies or one of these more aggressive and progressive forms of dementia and suddenly something is much more severe something's just changed like overnight. That's kind of atypical. A person with these progressive diseases, it's slow, it's a slow moving train. So that's a medical event and we need them to go to the doctor. Uh, they could have a urinary tract infection. They could have something that is causing really an exacerbation of their symptoms. So um, I had a person recently about five days into this really dramatic change in her, in her spouse called finally the helpline and he needed to go to the doctor and she'd been living with this really overwhelming experience for several days and, and we were like, oh my gosh. So if there's ever a significant, profound change in their behavior, something's happening, it's really worthy of getting to an urgent care or an emergency room. So I think that's it, I think we're gonna be time. I will be out at the table, Eric will be with me, and we'll be happy to talk to you um, and, and meet with you one-on-one -on -one or schedule an appointment to follow up with you as well. Thank you, Eric, thank, thank you, you Deborah.